You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Locked On College Football here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Josh Ward alongside Andrew Wade. We are back for a Ward and Wade Wednesday, and uh, we have a lot to get to on today's show. Very excited to look back at some of the results from last week, what it tells us as we head into a big weekend with some big matchups in different conferences. There's news from the college football world that we'll get to from Tuesday as well. Uh, Andrew, we'll dive right in, but uh, last week Clemson survived a scare, and uh, for for the five-star freshman, it was an opportunity to show, hey, in a a tight game, you can figure something out as you get ready for Notre Dame this week. But Michigan losing to Michigan State, that's not something I'm sure that Wolverines fans were expecting uh, going into that. We've talked about Michigan at some point could, uh, could go down and disappoint, but that happened pretty quickly. Yeah, man. I mean, what I learned from this weekend was that I learned nothing from week one of the Big Ten football back in conference. I had no idea what to expect, starting with Minnesota versus Maryland. Maryland came out and looked like a completely different team. To his younger brother did a fantastic job. Michigan losing to Michigan State. Iowa falling Northwestern. I guess I kind of could have expected that one a little bit more. Um, But yeah, I mean, across the board, man, the Big Ten was was very weird. And there's a lot of kind of interesting upsets and games that happened across the weekend. Like you mentioned, Clemson um, struggling to get past Boston College, not getting past, you know, getting over them until the fourth quarter. Um, but I thought DJ played really well in that game, too, and uh, gives me a lot of hope going into this Notre Dame game this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I'm going to make a bold prediction that he has the tools to be a really good quarterback in the future in college. They need him to be this week. And then uh, the LSU-Auburn game, I do a, a pick segment with, uh, with two shows that are on my station in Knoxville. And Friday, I looked at it when we all put our picks in, And everybody chose LSU, and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, we're just going to be wrong here. Now, I didn't know we'd be that wrong, but 48-11 to was very, very wrong with Auburn beating LSU that way. I wonder, does that mean Auburn's turned the corner? Uh, Is is it more that LSU is more the team that we saw in the first few weeks than that win against South Carolina, which is not even a very good team? You know, the SEC only has five teams with a winning record, so there are some haves and a bunch of uh, of have-nots maybe in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I'll eat crow on this one. I definitely said Auburn was going to lose, too. I have not been a big fan of Auburn at all. I mean, we talked about the fact that they got relatively lucky with bad officiating to win two of their games. But I think this actually is probably good on the Bo Nick side, the fact that he's getting a little bit more uh, comfortable and seems like he's playing kind of a little up as opposed to the last couple of weeks he's been down. But I think this is more about LSU, man. I mean, they are hitting – I mean, they're significantly regressing from last year. We talked about the fact that they have no one on their team from last year almost that were starting last year. That is tough. No matter what kind of team you have, that is tough to do, especially under the circumstances we are in in 2020. I think it says more about LSU and not as much about Auburn. Is Auburn about as good of a representative of what college football is, by the way, a team that can have its ups and downs from a success t- standpoint? It's one, uh, it, it's shown it can win national titles or compete for them, but also kind of bottom out. It has big rivalry. It has a fan base that's uh, really wild, but then it can get it can get involved with different controversies. There are always allegations kind of floating around. I feel like Auburn does a very good job of, of representing what college football is if you're trying to describe it to somebody who doesn't follow college football. 
Yeah, you know, I never looked at it that way, but you're 100% right. Like, I'm an Iowa fan, and Iowa never competes for a national title. There, it's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, the best we're going to do is probably top 10, and that's a really good year. Go Hawks, right? But you're absolutely right. Auburn can compete for national titles once every six years. They're relatively consistently in the top 25, but they do have some pretty bad seasons. I mean, that I never thought about that way, but Auburn represents everything of college football. Yeah, from uh, from the uh, a big rivalry with Alabama with the Iron Bowl, so you have that atmosphere. You have uh, cheating that can pop up, and that's a part of college football, right? That's I mean, yep. that's there and uh, big time success, but also, I mean, the the bottoming out with Gene Chizik. So I, that that kind of came to my mind recently. That you know, I think if somebody said, "Hey, explain college football to me," I would just send them to Auburn football and say, "Read about everything that's gone on there," and and that's that. But uh, in the West, it's still Alabama leading the way. Texas A and M is starting to get a little bit more talk, partly because it's schedule lays out and actually Texas A&M Auburn late in the season could be a big deal there to figure out if A&M does have a shot to sneak in to the playoff but uh, we're still having the big teams talked about uh, with Alabama Ohio State and then actually the winner of Clemson Notre Dame will be getting a ton of attention right this week and we'll make our pick there but you have Texas A&M getting some talk Wisconsin but they've got some scheduling issues can a Pac-12 team Oregon jump into that conversation but we're still struggling, I think, to find find out who deserves to be in the order of four, five, six. And then let's see what happens with Florida against Georgia this week, too. Yeah, I mean, you you hit on it right, really well. There's a lot of – we're going to find out a lot about college football and what that college football playoff ranking is going to be this weekend. I think the fact that Wisconsin is not playing is a huge detriment. They To me, they have no chance of going to the college football playoff. There's no way you can take a team that plays six games. And also, if they only play five games, if they miss any other games the rest of the season – they're gone. They're not playing in the Big Ten championship game, so there's no yep. chance you make it past them. we got BYU and Boise State, and I have not been a fan of BYU making it to the college football playoff, but a loss to Boise State knocks them out. Um, Georgia, Florida, that's a huge game because whoever wins that game is likely going to be playing as, you know Alabama in the SEC championship game, and we've seen – that losers still make it to the college football playoff. So there is some interesting stuff there. And then Oregon and, and USC this weekend, they have to come out strong. And then Clemson and Notre Dame. I mean, that's that's six or seven games that really determines a lot of the college football playoff picture. Yeah, Wisconsin, uh, you mentioned with their scheduling issue. Uh, that I saw earlier this week ESPN with its ranking of teams with the best chance to win the national title. Wisconsin was on the list. And to me, the reason made sense because they just look at the road to the Big Ten title game. And if they can get there undefeated, if you win it, you're, you're in the playoff, right? But uh, now it's... I mean, I guess it's as likely that they they don't even get they don't even find eligibility for it because you got to play in the Big Ten title game. But uh, with with the Purdue game canceled this week, one more means that Wisconsin is ineligible. One more cancellation means that Wisconsin's ineligible for the Big Ten championship. Absolutely, man. So that that's a really interesting storyline because we are looking at a possibility of Purdue or Northwestern going to the Big Ten Championship game. I mean, those are the two teams that I would say are the front runners at this point, mostly because we're in a COVID world. We've seen so many teams have random gates canceled. The fact that Wisconsin has missed two of their first three, I think that's concerning going forward. I mean, they're likely – I mean – more than likely going to miss another game at some point. I think we all kind of expected that teams are going to miss a game or two. They are teetering on the edge of not being able to be eligible, which would be honestly kind of bad for the Big Ten because Wisconsin is the team that I think is still the most talented team in the Big Ten West, especially with Graham Mertz under center. It's honestly kind of sad that we can't see them put it all together this year, especially yeah. if they can't make it for that next weekend's game. 
Yeah, Wisconsin was our pick as the top contender, at least to Ohio State. And when we had last year, uh, last week's show, we did it knowing that there could be a cancellation that happened after we had last Wednesday's show. And here we are now with the second cancellation for Wisconsin. So it's unfortunate. We also knew that it was a possibility with the Big Ten. And uh, to me, it just looks very obviously to be Ohio State's to lose in, in the conference. I just I, I can't even come up with a case other than um, severe injuries or, you know, I guess COVID striking that would keep Ohio State from winning the Big Ten and being a playoff team. 100% agree. I mean, the only two teams that really could contend with Ohio State for a Big Ten East title is Penn State and Michigan. I've never really believed in Michigan, although what they did to Minnesota looked good until Minnesota looked bad. I mean, you play that yeah. game and who knows what the hell is going on in the Big Ten, but Michigan did not look that good against a Michigan State team that did look really freaking bad against Rutgers. And then Penn State losing to Ohio State. Uh, it's it's Ohio State's it's Ohio State's title. I mean, they, they are – in the front, the driver's seat, I see no scenario, like you said, outside of COVID or injuries where they don't make it to the Big Ten championship game and win and go to the college football playoffs. Yeah, Rutgers beats Michigan State. Michigan State beats um, Michigan last week. Maryland with the rally. Can can you, you locked on Hawkeyes there? Can you explain your Big Ten conference to me here? I wish I could explain. I am so freaking confused with what the hell is going on. I have no idea how to even bet on any of these games or how to pick any of them because I don't know what team we're going to get. I mean, it yeah. is literally like Jekyll and Hyde. It's not like, oh, they did all these things well for week one and they did most of these things well week two and something bizarre happened. I mean, Minnesota just stunk the bed against Maryland. I know that it was a close game, but Maryland didn't seem like they were to do anything against Northwestern. Uh, Iowa was able to, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm honestly so confused. I'm hoping this week gives me a little bit of clarity, but with the, how the first two weeks went, I'm honestly just pretending I'm just going to be so confused. We'll look elsewhere coming up here on Locked on College Football. What about Clemson, Notre Dame? What about Georgia, Florida? The Pac-12 gets going. I'm sure we're not going to know what's going on there, but we'll take our best stab at it when we continue here on Locked on College Football. Whichever conference you're watching, whatever game, uh, whatever you're doing when you get home from work and you need to maybe take a load off as this is a bit of a stressful time, I know, a stressful week for a lot of people. How about a cold Coors Light? It is literally made to chill, Andrew, and it's a perfect option if you are looking to hit the reset button. You need to unwind. You want to sit back and just enjoy the game. How about a cold Coors Light? Yeah, man, Coors Light is my go-to whenever I need to chill. I'm constantly on the go, especially on these Tuesdays, man. Um, Got to kick back and watch some uh, some fun fun news going on. But Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold pa- cold packaged, literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose, and I need to know why. It sounds like it's the one you choose as well. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's right. You can get it delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And as always, remember to celebrate responsibly. This message is brought to you by Coors Light, a part of the Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Of course, Andrew, we said hit the reset button, not the stop button. You're going to have to keep going at some point as well. And the Built Bar can help with that. I just ordered two new boxes last week and very excited because it's a perfect option for me. I'm doing radio in the middle of the day and then, you know, locked on balls, locked on college football, need a little extra energy. The Built Bar can help with that. They have a bunch of amazing flavors. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. I love them. They taste great. They're soft and easy to chew. But whatever your kind of flavor might be, I'm a peanut butter guy. I love the peanut butter and the chocolate options. You'll find your flavor at BuiltBar.com, and they're a healthy option for you too. Absolutely, man. I mean, honestly, I, I eat one every single day. Um, if I forget breakfast, I have a Built Bar and a glass of milk. If I'm getting ready for a workout, I might have a Built Bar if I'm a little bit tired in the morning. Um, if I get done with my workout and I haven't ate a Built Bar yet, I get a little protein by grabbing my Built Bar. 
my favorite flavor outside of the pumpkin chocolate chip was a limited flavor is cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. The best part right now is you can actually go to builtbar.com. And if you use promo code locked on L O C K E D O N, you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Andrew, I'm curious what you think about Clemson Notre Dame. So this is a game where it will not include Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be there, but he, he will not have gone through all the testing that they need to, not just from COVID, but uh, checking for myocarditis and all that stuff. So he'll be there, but not available to play. So Clemson at Notre Dame, Saturday night, 7.30 on NBC. What do you think? Because uh, it was at last week's show. You were, you were ripping on the uh, Irish a little bit. So here's their chance to prove you wrong. Yeah, they're not going to. Um, okay. <laughs> let's just get that out of the way. Uh, if you look at Notre Dame's schedule, they haven't played anyone worth a darn. They have played no teams with a winning record, I believe, at this point. I, I might be wrong. I need to double-check that again. But I don't believe they've played a single team with a winning record to this point. Notre Dame does a – I mean, offensively, they do a great job, but they don't do as good of a job of finishing drives as I would like to see, especially if you saw that Louisville game. They were going – you know, they are driving up and down the field, unable to finish drives. Against Clemson, you need to be able to do that. People by me looking at the Clemson versus Boston College game and thinking, well, Clemson obviously was regressing without Trevor Lawrence. That is not the case. If you actually looked at that game, Clemson was moving the ball pretty darn well. They just weren't able to capitalize and had a few key mistakes, especially a fumble at the goal line. That got Boston College in the game. Boston College got the momentum, but you saw Clemson come out in that second half and just really dominate that game. When you look at, and I've said this before, but when you look at Clemson's quarterback situation, Trevor Lawrence is clearly the number one quarterback in college football. You know, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, they can probably make a case for that. Um, But right behind him, and I'm going to butcher his name, so if you know how to say it, just cut me off, but DJ, Owe, Lolly, whatever, DJ, Former five-star recruit. If you watch QB1, he's the guy who you know, actually took away Real Mitchell's job, who was an Iowa State quarterback commit, former three-star you know, recruit. He's really freaking good at slinging the ball. They are lucky to have essentially two quarterbacks who probably are the top in the top 30 of quarterbacks in the nation. That's right. Clemson's backup quarterback would probably be more than welcomed at 100 and other college football you know, programs because he's that freaking good. I don't think there's much of a drop-off, man. I think Clemson is easily going to win this game, and I love the fact that they struggled against Boston College because it made that spread six and a half. That's now down to five and a half. Yeah, it's uh, – by the way, the, the attempt to uh, pronounce it is very difficult, but Uyan Gulule is, uh, <laughs> is my best attempt in trying to slow down why I say it. But uh, the point is that he's, he's DJ five-star, and I think that his, his ranking as a recruit – is justified. And yeah, I, I think he'd be starting at a lot of places around the country right now. It's just that he happens to be behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, I was I was impressed with the way that they responded. And you don't want to keep saying that because at some point that's going to bite you. And it, it could against a team like Notre Dame. It certainly could in the playoff. You mess around against Syracuse, it doesn't matter at all. You get behind against Boston College, it could have cost them the game. And I, I would have been curious to see how that would have how that would have been viewed. Part of it would have been what do you do the next week against Notre Dame? But I still, I still go with Clemson here. I, I think Clemson still has the roster. They know when to turn it on. And again, you have to be careful with that. If you're trying to just turn it on against Alabama, you can lose. I don't see Notre Dame being there. I would not, I'm not going to count the Irish out at all. Clemson's not a huge favorite in this game. And that's for a reason because Notre Dame's a, a quality opponent, but I just think Clemson's better. I expect that DJ's, game against Boston College will help him be prepared. Now on the flip side, uh, Notre Dame's able to watch film and they're able to see what 
what they might be able to do to try to attack him. But Travis Etienne would be getting the football a lot and in a number of different ways, and I would allow him to help attack that Notre Dame offense as well, or Notre Dame defense, excuse me. 100%, man. I mean, just, just to backtrack, I mean, look at the BC game. Clemson was driving down. It was 14-7. to They fumbled the ball at the goal line. Boston College takes it back. It's now 21-7. That's a 14-point swing. Clemson outscores Boston twenty Boston College 21-0 in that second half. 21-0 run. Uh, they did a good job of stopping Travis Etienne to an extent, but DJ threw for 342 yards and two touchdowns. I just, I just don't see a world where they are going to lose to Notre Dame. And I feel like when you go into that game against Boston College, at Boston College, not a very good program this year, Clemson might have been looking ahead to Notre Dame. I mean, they might have been saying, all right, we just got to get through this game and get ready to Notre Dame. That first half was definitely a wake-up call. Um, I do expect this game to be pretty close, though, in the first half. I think Notre Dame's going to come out swinging. I mean, they're going to play well, um, but I just think Clemson's just going to out-talent them easily. What do you think about the 3.30 game on Saturday? CBS, two top 10 teams, big game in the SEC East. The winner of this game is probably winning the division, Georgia against Florida in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, when we talked about, what was it, the – Georgia versus Alabama game, we went with the offense because Alabama's offense was superb. And when you take an offense like that, it doesn't matter what kind of defense you have. You kind of got to take that Alabama offense, even without Jalen Waddell. I mean, they're just so explosive. The reason why I bring that up is because now we look at a Florida-Georgia game where Florida's offense is pretty good, but it's not Alabama good. And Florida's defense is atrocious, and they're worse than Alabama's defense. Georgia, to me, they can control the line of scrimmage. They can run the ball well, and they're going to stop Florida's passing attack, I think, um, throughout the game. So to me, that's I, I think it's Georgia's game to win uh, and screw that up. I mean, if they screw it up, obviously, but I think Georgia's going to win that game. Yeah, I go back and forth. I've leaned Florida without making that pick official uh, because I still think about that quarterback position and the offense. I wonder with Richard LeCount not being available, he was in the uh, the motorcycle dirt bike accident this past Saturday, and it looks like he's going to be okay, but he suffered serious injuries and will not be able to play. He's just one player, but he's a good player in the secondary, and that can maybe open up an opportunity for Florida to hit a big play. I just, I'm not a Stetson Bennett believer here. No. And uh, it doesn't mean that he has to be the guy. I mean, if they can run the football and, and avoid turning it over and the defense steps up, that could be enough to win the game. And Kirby Smart's been able to, to take advantage of Dan Mullen's teams to this point. But right now, I kind of lean Florida just because I, I lean points and I lean offense and I lean the better quarterback in this game. But uh, recent history says go Georgia. Recent history says take the team that just clearly has more talent. And Kirby Smart's been able to beat Dan Mullen because of that talent advantage. I'm not saying Smart's a better coach, but uh, the, when you have better players, it makes you the better coach often on Saturday. So if you're going Georgia, to me, it's probably the, the smarter pick. I'm going to go Florida with the offense, and, and let's see if Kyle Trask and Dan Mullen can really get where they want to go. Florida with the suspension, though, on, on the defensive line, Carter being out in the first half, maybe George is able to just control things on the ground. That could be a factor. I, that was a mess on Saturday with, with Dan Mullen, and he got the $25,000 fine, which I didn't think was enough. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what the SEC decided to do there. But the suspension in the first half because of, of the fighting, that, that could be something that negatively affects Florida's defense, which has had its issues this year. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a weak point. And I say, like, like I said, going back to the Alabama game, they're weaker from a defensive perspective than Alabama is, and their offense is weaker than Alabama's offense. So I, I, I think it's, you know, we're definitely not going to agree on that, but it is going to be a lot of fun. I think we can agree on that, that the game is going to be a yeah, good game to game. watch. I cannot 
imagine a scenario where it's going to be a two or three touchdown win. Uh, Georgia just doesn't win games like that typically, unless it's a Kentucky where Kentucky can't throw the ball and Georgia's going to run all over their weak run defense. But I think it's going to be a close game. I just think, I think Georgia carries it out. I think their defense carries them to that win. Um, obviously, like you said, the suspension on the defensive line, Georgia loves running the ball. That'll be easy for them to control the clock. Then as long as they don't make any turnovers, make any super mistakes, um, neither of us are a part of that Stetson Bennett fan club. So um, we'll see how well he does in that game as well. We will also see Pac-12 football this weekend. Believe it or not, the Pac-12 is going to play football. They will start up this week, and we'll look ahead, look at a few other matchups to pay attention to as well when we come back for the final segment of today's show of Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Andrew, as we get ready to look at the pick, uh, the Pac-12 kicking off, we do go back to when the SEC started up, what, five or six weeks ago, and uh, after one week, it looked like we had made a, a bold prediction that was going to be good, that Mississippi State, you should watch out. Now, you did say th- they're going to go beat LSU, and you were correct in that game. I said KJ Costello, watch out for him as an all-SEC candidate. 600-plus yards in week one, I felt really good about it. It's gone much, much worse since. So Mississippi State is actually at the bottom of the SEC, just ahead of Vanderbilt when you look at offense and, and uh, record uh, after getting blanked last week by Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I'm always a big proponent of, you know, telling everyone about your wins. You want to make sure you promote yourself, right? But I think Mm -hmm. it's also important to take those losses on the chin, which is what I think we need to do real quick before we hop into Pac-12 action. Because since Mississippi State beat LSU and KJ Costello looked like he was the second coming of uh, Dak Prescott, Mississippi State has scored 20 or 30 points, excuse me, in four games, 14 points against Arkansas, two against Kentucky, 14 against Texas A&M, and got blanked by Alabama. I just think it's pretty funny. Uh, they have caught on very quickly to the Mike Leach offense across the SEC, and especially now with Kylan Hill not playing, it's yep. pretty easy just to say, we're going to play, rush three guys, drop eight back, and, and we're going to cover those crossing routes for days. I just think it's funny, but we definitely need to take those L's in our chin, man. Yeah, players have opted out of the uh, Mississippi State experience with uh, Mike Leach just a few weeks after a huge win over the defending national champs. But as we hit on again earlier in the show, LSU not quite at the level of the national championship team that we saw last year. If you look at the schedule, Andrew, for this upcoming Saturday, if you look at the noon slate Eastern time, you're going to find the USC-Arizona State game. They play on the West Coast. They're going to play out in L.A. on Saturday. That's a a 9 a.m. kick. So remember, the the Pac-12 is going to get things started to get a little bit more coverage from beginning to the end of the day of college football. I love it, man. I mean, it was so much fun watching all Big Ten football two weekends ago. I mean, it's been fun having the way the Big Ten has done their schedule. And I, t- I say that because it's a lot of fun actually being able to watch Pac-12 football games. Uh, it's it's unfortunate. I do like Pac-12 after dark. If you're really bored on a Saturday, you get home from the bars a little early. It's a lot of fun to be able to watch Pac-12 after dark, but it's just not easy to do all the time. So the fact that we get Pac-12 all day is going to be a blast. And kicking off with the USC game, I personally feel like USC is the team to beat. I know Oregon's ranked a little higher, but um, after watching USC against Iowa last year, there was a lot to really like about that USC team. Uh, the fact that led by Caden Slovis, he looked fantastic. The only reason why I honestly feel like Iowa beat USC was because they knocked him out of the game. Amon Ross, a Brown, two other guys or two other brothers of his that are playing in the NFL economists. And I can't remember the other brother. I can't remember if he's actually not in the NFL, if he's just getting recruited, but either way they return a fantastic wide receiver group. That offense is going to be explosive. Um, I think USC is a team to watch this year as a potential surprise team to make the college ball playoff out of the PAC 12. What about Saturday night? Oregon will be at home against Stanford. Oregon is, is that the best playoff shot for the PAC 12, the ducks trying to get in? 
Um, I still go, I still go by the fact that I think USC is, but Oregon's okay. right there with them. I mean, I think it's it's up to both of those teams, and it's really important for both of them to get off to a hot start this week because they have a lot of catching up to do. I mean, we talk about the rankings and the fact that people aren't ranking teams that aren't playing. Um, it is tough also from a college football playoff perspective to to look at these teams and see, oh, they played one game. How do we compare that to a Georgia or to a Florida that, well, not Florida is a good example, but Georgia who's played, you know, five, six, seven games. How do you compare one to two games versus that? It's important for them to make an impact quickly so they can get on the radar and possibly sneak into the college ball playoff and that fourth spot. Yep. Some of your Pac-12 after dark options on Saturday night will be Oregon State at home against Washington State, Cal at home against Washington. Those are 1030 Eastern time kickoffs, so 730 out there on the West Coast. By the way, the the noon Eastern 9 a.m. kickoff for USC and Arizona State. I think I saw Jeff Schwartz, the former NFL and Oregon offensive lineman. He's calling it Pac-12 before brunch. So I, 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 think, that, I think that works. That, yeah. I'll, I'll follow along with that to go with Pac-12 after dark. I absolutely love that. So, dude, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, though. It's finally – if I mean, I felt like football was finally back when the Big Ten started playing two weeks ago. Yeah, but same. with the Pac-12 and Maction starting, uh, when people are listening to this episode, Maction starts tonight. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. It just feels like we're finally back into a relatively normal situation with college football. Just, you know, two months delayed. Yeah, Wednesday night brings you six games. So if you're listening to this today being the Wednesday episode, you get six games tonight, a couple of games on Thursday night, uh, games on Friday night. So just a lot of football, which is a good thing. We're, we're obviously pro football happening on Locked On College Football. I'm curious, um, looking at just a few other matchups, what do you think Michigan trying to bounce back after the embarrassing loss to Michigan State at Indiana, which is 2-0? and uh, you had the the wild finish at the end of the Penn State game. People are excited about Michael Penix there, quarterback. And again, Michigan trying to bounce back. That's a noon kickoff Saturday on FS1. Yeah, I actually was looking at the game. And again, we look back at the Big Ten and who the hell knows what to expect from teams. Um, I think what we saw with Michigan is they took advantage of a very uh, depleted Minnesota team. So when I look at you talk about like, how does the big 10 match up? What is going on? I honestly feel like we all might've overvalued Minnesota where they lost two offensive linemen who opted out for COVID. They lost Tyler Johnson. They brought in a new offensive coordinator who has not historically done very well. And defensively, they lost Antoine Winfield jr. So when I look at what is the commonality of these teams, it's Minnesota. And I don't think Minnesota is very good. So Michigan losing to Michigan state Rutgers, I think is a little bit on the rise. I don't think Michigan's that good. I know I talked about it. I was willing to say, all right, you kick the crap out of Minnesota. But I watched Minnesota again, and um, it definitely showed with the weaknesses that I kind of thought were going to happen coming into the season. Indiana, though, uh, when you look at that Penn State win, they didn't really do a lot. Uh, they honestly, I mean, they didn't actually have a lot of great drives. They just took advantage of some pretty good opportunities. That being said, I do think this is Indiana's game to win. I do think it will be evenly matched, though. Um, Indiana is going to get slaughtered by Ohio State, though. Uh, but, I, you know, beating Penn State, they have a chance to, to finish second in the Big Ten East, which no one would have thought of uh, coming into the season. Yeah, excited for BYU-Boise State. That's a Friday night game, and that's that's going to be a late one. So uh, Friday night after dark, Boise State, BYU, 9.45 Eastern time kickoff. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that game? Because I feel like BYU has been a little bit over – I think Zach Wilson is fantastic, but BYU really hasn't played a lot of teams. Boise State has you know, probably put out a very good football program at all times. Uh, I think there's an opportunity there for an upset, which would make it you know very clear to us that – BYU should not be in the college football playoff talk. Yeah, I'm still not going to put BYU in that conversation, even if they win this week. I'm probably going to lean 
BYU because I'm just I'm leaning Zach Wilson. He's getting some some NFL chatter uh, I've noticed here recently, but his numbers are incredible: 19 touchdowns, two picks. So I'll lean BYU to get the win against Boise State. Boise also still earlier in its season, so it's difficult to get as much of a read on on Boise as we have BYU. You're right on the schedule though uh, for BYU. It's just it's not filled with with too many tough tests. This will probably be. Uh, their best one. Uh, but I, I'll go BYU to get the win because I'm going to go with Zach Wilson to get them however many points they need. I, I can I can respect the hell out of that. I mean, I'm hoping B- Boise State wins just to get BYU out of that conversation. Uh, I've been pro locked on Cougars, pro BYU this yeah. whole time, but um, I just I don't think they're a legitimate contender. And I, I think it's taking a spot away from some of the other better teams that could actually make an impact in the college ball playoff. Hey, also, you have the Locked On Hawkeyes fan base. I have Locked On Vols fans. Uh, neither probably too thrilled with how things have gone uh, over the last couple of weeks. The Vols were off last week, but Tennessee is about a point-and-a-half favorite at Arkansas, Iowa at home against Michigan State. Which fan base is most likely to be happy on Sunday morning? We'll both be happy on Sunday morning. <laughs> I sure hope we're both happy, man, because these this has been a struggle watching Iowa play football. I haven't been able to watch as much Tennessee football for two reasons. A, um, the Big Ten has been playing lately, and then B, I do this show with you, so I just trust you to know exactly what's going on with Tennessee. Um, I it, it, Playing Arkansas is tough, but I think Arkansas, when they did win their games, they were against teams where they could – I mean, they're kind of finicky type of offensive team. So I do think Tennessee can beat Arkansas. I think Iowa should beat Michigan state. I'm actually going to pick Iowa to cover by nine to seven. Um, I actually thought the spread was going to be a lot lower than that, but I do think Iowa, Iowa's fan base can be a lot happier after this weekend. I think Tennessee's as well. Yeah, I have the Vols winning. I think they should win. Uh, they also should not have lost to Kentucky by 27 at home, and that happened three weeks ago. So yeah. uh, we'll see, but it's a, it's a critical game for Tennessee, and I'll be covering that, of course, on Locked on Vols. Another week, a fuller week, Andrew, as you mentioned, with some action and some Pac-12 starting up this weekend. I'm excited for it. Hell yeah, man. I cannot wait to get more college football. Enjoy. We appreciate you being with us here today on a Ward and Wade Wednesday. And remember, Locked On College Football is here for you five days a week covering what's going on around the country. Remember to download, subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for being with us here today. We'll see you next time on Locked On College Football on the Locked On Podcast Network.